Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Here's what's going to sum up the show today. Thomas Frank Carr, this is the BWI Live Post Game Show 1 0. Well, technically, technically, uh, it's 2 0. Ryan P says, we we are 2 0. Go Penn State. That's that's today. Welcome to the BWI Live Post Game Show. These are the games where. (laughs) So I'm doing film analysis of Delaware Penn State during the game, live. Watching these things, my replay system, trying to get a sense of what's Delaware trying to do to Penn State? What's Penn State trying to do to Delaware? And in the end, it becomes Delaware versus Penn State, the talent on the football field. So we're here to talk about whatever you'd like to talk about today. What aspect of the game do you want to bring up? Positive, negative, how'd you feel about a 63-7 to blowout win? I'm Thomas Frank Carr. This is the BWI Live Post Game Show. My point being these are the points that I struggle because I'm like, here's what happened. And you're like, I don't care. I'm going back to tailgate. So let's talk about what you want to talk about in the chat today. Hope you're having a good Saturday. Weather held out in Happy Valley. Looked like it was still pretty sweaty outside today, but 77 degrees. Overall, a great day for Penn State football. And uh, the reason I bring that up is because in a 63-7 to win, a lot of people you saw as the game went on went back outside to tailgate. So a couple of things to talk about today. One of them being, please share with your friends, remind them that we're here live, because that that second half went really fast. I started working to get the show up and ready to go, and to get all of the stuff, um, all the stuff out there, you know, for people to know, it's out here, you can join us, we're talking about the game, and it was like, you blink, and that game was over with the clock stop, not stopping anymore, and it being, you know, a run fest in the second half. Whew, I cannot believe we're here live right now. So, um, Xander says, freshmen were looking good. Yeah, I got a little bit of that. King Mac looked awesome. Elliot Washington, he looked pretty good as well. But, you know, in the second half, Bo Prabula running the football, Bo Prabula passing for a touchdown. Those all, all those things look good. We can, we can get all of those things here on the show. Don't know that I'll have some, my regular T. Frank insight into how those plays exactly happened. But, um... They definitely looked good. They looked good all around. We'll talk about the run game today on the show, how things went down. Alex Kinney asks a question here, and I'm not going to answer him. Katron Allen, Katron Allen NIL issues, real or nah? I'm not going to say NIL, so nah. Nah. But if I could give the side eye... Katron Allen, 19 carries, going in a lot in a lot of interesting situations. I find that interesting. 
I don't like I can't I can't give you any inside reporting. I can't give you any sort of information on that. I just see the same things you do, Alex. And in the new world of uh, James Franklin bringing up Katron Allen out of the blue on Tuesday when he doesn't normally single players out. And then Katron Allen gets 19 carries, leads the way, is announced as one of the starters, and has 103 yards and a touchdown. Averages 5.4 yards per carry. Am I giving you the shifty eyes enough that I also think there's something going on there? Um, interesting to see. Chuck Cloud. Chuck, the clouds are back. Trey Potts looked good. Perbula is McSorley 2.0. Yes, Penn State runs for over 315 yards, six touchdowns in this game, and Trey Potts looked good with the biggest run of the day, 20 yards, averaging 8.4 yards per carry. They were cons they 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 were um they were close to breaking runs like that all day. And that's really where the, the run game conversation kicks in. Is if Delaware's gonna keep five guys in the box. And they play three linemen. And that means you've got a middle linebacker. And sometimes that was it, ladies and gentlemen. But then they've got like guys orbiting around the edges of the box. You know, your might your Sam and your Will are kind of like hedging, right? And and by your Sam, I mean obviously your corner or whatever they're running in their three three five. Um that is an automatic run for Penn State. If they see numbers like that, they are trying to get downhill and trying to get yardage. Give credit to Delaware for not being the worst FCS team and being a good football team uh, on their level of play with, I think, a good defensive concepts that kept a lid on Penn State. But Penn State was, at almost all times, one block away from ripping off a big run. That is one of the things when the analysis of what's happening here, we were doing that uh, during the first quarter. It was just... Hunter Norzad falling off a block a little bit late. Olufashinu letting his guy get back outside on him in run contain where he had a down block and then the guy got back outside. Those are some of the things that Penn State needs to clean up, but we're talking about clean up in the context of, and I'll show you what I was following today when it comes to the Penn State offense. Here is the live game book. These are the drive charts. I was following this today, and you'll look. 13, 9, 9, 9. Delaware was making them earn these touchdowns. 6, 10, 5. They were able to pick things up in the second uh, second half, a little bit in the second quarter. You know, at the end of the half, Penn State got that fast two-minute drive touchdown. Um, and then, of course, getting a, a touchdown off of the turnover. But for the most part, the starters, 10 plays, 74 yards, touchdown, five minutes off the clock. This was a fast flowing game this is 3 30 right now and the game ended five ten minutes ago about that's an nfl game <laughs> that's an nfl game james franklin made that comment a couple weeks ago it's amazing how all the nfl games end almost exactly at the same time and yeah uh they do that for the the tv box and uh the tv box was happy today with the length of pensee football and their game today. But just kind of a quick overview on the passing game. One of the things about, you know, watching the broadcast copy and not being able to do my full T-Frank thing is that um, I couldn't see any of the safeties today. I could not see a single safety. Um, and that's a big part of the passing game. Who was open, who wasn't open? What kind of things were they running down the field? It seemed like they were running more of those big sets again with two wide receivers and keeping guys into block. They got the tight ends involved early. Um, and then it was a... Uh, 
It was basically run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, which is what Aeneas and I, Hawkins and I talked about on the uh, on the pregame show earlier today outside of Beaver Stadium, was that the running backs were going to be a big part of today because of those three safeties deep, keeping a lid on everything, including, by the way, the run game. Something that we I saw during the week is uh, Jaywan Sider coaching up his running backs on, hey, the pursuit's coming from the inside. You got to get that stiff arm ready. You got to be ready to break that tackle coming from that safety, either from the backside or from the inside, because they're that that's where the pursuit in this defense is going to come from, and you got to be able to break that tackle. That was a thing that um that was a thing that that I was looking for today. And I don't know that personally, and I'll have to go back and watch and look at it in detail, not as many broken tackles as I was expecting, that I would have hoped for if I were Nick Singleton, who had 12 carries for 47 yards and three touchdowns. Um, of course, a lot of his average here is because he was getting rushes at the goal line. So it's not like it's he didn't have an effective day. He did, but like he needed three yards for a touchdown, and he got three yards for a touchdown. Um, I thought they also did a good job of forcing the ball into Drew Aller's hands where he runs five times for 27 yards. You do that with math. And I don't mean like hashtag math. It's like numbers and counting. The, the Delaware did a good job of baiting Penn State in five wide situations where they've got a screen to one side, they've got a, a throw to the other side, and then you've got the quarterback option. And that's where you see the difference between Drew Aller and, and I love Michael Robinson. I know what he's saying. If you watch it on TV, I know what he's saying about uh, Josh Allen and the comparisons between Drew Aller and Josh Allen, Josh Allen. But here's the thing. That running ability is what makes Josh Allen an alien. Like it's the arm. It's the talent it's be able to flick the wrist and have it go 70. Yes. But also on fourth down, you cannot stop him. He is a moose running through the Canadian wilderness up in Buffalo. Drew Aller is, is not that, and that is a very different dynamic. And Sean Clifford, I think you, you see the difference between Sean Clifford and Bo Perbula running in those situations and then Drew running. We're not saying he's a bad athlete, but it is not. You're not allowed to have all the strengths. There's only a, a couple of people that are allowed to have all of the strengths. We had a great question here I want to get to. By the way, if you want to, we've got a lot of people, and I always say this, here on the postgame show, when I'm riding solo, uh, I need you to help me out. So if you donate to the channel, it shows up in these big, bright colors for me in the, so in the software I'm using. I'm not saying that just to get money from you. I'm saying it also helps me see your question and get to it. Because I'm trying to read this stuff while talking to you. And the ums and uhs are the obvious part of that. But then it's, do I stumble? Do I get to your question? Uh, I want to get to a question in just a moment, but we have to talk about today's sponsor, and that is alumlodge.com. Do you want to go to a Penn State football game? Because that looked like a lot of fun. 63-7, that looks like a lot of fun. You can have a great weekend, and this is the thing I want to tell you. I love living in State College. It's one of the reasons I still cover Penn State football is because I love living here. This is an amazing place. If you want a slice of that for the weekend, check out alumlodge.com. They have a really cool thing. It's like Airbnb, but for Penn State football fans. And it's not just Airbnb. It's as if it were Air Airbnb plus Uber, where your, your, your person whose house you're renting is like, would you like a water? Do you need some refreshments? How about a mint? At alumlaunch.com, they deliver customized service that meets unique needs of each guest's stay. So you're staying at a house. What do you want the pantry stocked with? What temperature do you want to have it when you arrive? 
what's, which location do you want to stay at? They're all different, and they all bring something different and unique about Happy Valley. Uh, they offer concierge service for guests to feel comfortable when staying, prepare, shop, and arrange the home to your specifications. And I've said this before on the live show during the week. I love looking at houses. It is a, I got you, when we were shopping for hours, I love just looking at houses. So join me looking at some of these alumlodge.com houses because they're really nice. I've shown this, the village, Park Forest, and of course they have one a little bit farther outside. I believe this one is not in quite Belfont, but it is a little bit farther away, but literally it's a horse ranch. So you can check out, you see this lovely place. You can play cornhole on Friday night, get in a little bit early, and you've got a full weekend of fun and relaxation for Penn State football games. And again, they will uh, they will make sure that it's all uh, done up to your specifications. So go to alumlodge.com, reserve your state today. These are booked by the way and some locations until october so you got to get in now use promo code bwi to receive 10 percent off your booking promo code bwi for 10 percent off call 814-424-3266 last thing i'll say before we get back to the football talk is please like and share the video so we can talk about this with a bunch of people i understand it's delaware most people are tailgating or on to the next thing um but we'd like to have a good conversation good crowd today got a great crowd so far let's as penn state wants to Roll this one up 63 to 7 on the rest of the internet. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Recharged family says, do you wish they would have tried a couple field goals on fourth down today? Yes. Yes, I do. I think Sanders Sahedak in that situation, you wanted to give them the him the opportunity for redemption. I was surprised, mildly, that James Franklin went for the fourth down where they were in field goal range. I don't think it's necessarily, in this situation, it is not a, uh, uh, doesn't say anything to me about Sanders Sahedak despite what you might think, because I agree. I would think that James Franklin would want to get him work in that situation, but it's more to the point is they want to run their fourth down plays. This is, as you saw today, 63-7. They scored on almost every single possession with the starters in except for one. I don't want to say glorified scrimmage because those are players playing their heart out and they can tackle the quarterback, so it is not a scrimmage. But Penn State had an obvious advantage where they can work on situations. They worked on situational football before halftime. So I think the fourth down, um, that's an area where they want to work on this. Uh, boast cards. They read that right? Boast cards. Are you concerned with how little Bo Perbula passed the ball? Wouldn't it be nice to see him throw a few more? He did throw a touchdown. No. I'm not I'm not surprised by that. I'm not concerned by that. He went three for five for 22 yards and a touchdown. Now, like I admitted at the top of the show, I did not see in-depth the fourth quarter. 
because I was getting the show ready, trying to make sure we were all uh, gussied up for the internet. But what I did see is James Franklin trying to not run the score up on his opponent. That's why you run Bo Prabula uh, eight times for 46 yards. And by the way, they're not necessarily running Bo Prabula intentionally. This is the difference, and this is the nature of, uh, Michael Robinson said on the, on the broadcast, a running quarterback sees things differently. He's wanting to keep the ball in read option situations. So if they call a read option and Delaware defends it in a certain way, he's keeping the ball. He's not giving it to the running back. That's what he's supposed to do. Sometimes quarterbacks don't do it anyway. But if you've got an athlete like Prabula that wants to keep the ball, then yes, he's going to keep the football, and that's why they're going to run him. If it had been um, a straight run call on every single play, you wouldn't have seen Bo Prabula run the football. You would have seen Trey Potts or Tank Smith run the football. Interesting as well that we saw Tyler Holsworth and Tank Smith in this game. We did not see the freshman running back. So Penn State still trying to hold on to those red shirts for those guys. We've got through two games. We haven't seen either of them. I wouldn't expect to see London Montgomery pretty much at all this year as he's still getting himself back into shape after his injury. I'm amazed he's on, you know, like playing and was in training camp performing. Um, and then Cam Wallace, they obviously want to save him in case there's something at the end of the season where they need him in certain situations, maybe for kick return or something like that. Uh, Jason Nauman here always with his thumbs up. Appreciate you, Jason. Um, getting through some of your comments. Gary N says, right tackle struggled in pass protection again. Uh, going, I'm going to have to go back through and look at that. Penn State overall was not great in pass protection, but this is a situation where coming into the game, we said on the tailgate show, Delaware's defense is aggressive. They're going to bring guys from different locations, and I know that you're already saying, but T. Frank, it's Delaware. I understand, and I agree. Like They shouldn't have gotten as much pressure as they did, but I don't know it was exactly Caden Wallace. There was one play that he got Olaid. Yes, and that's not good. You don't want to have that. But in the last two games, if that's the only one, I'm okay with, like, you gave up one pressure. Um, but that's going back and having to look. I know that there were a couple of plays where Penn State either had the wrong call uh, in pass protection or somebody's eyes were in the wrong situation. So that's going to be something in film review we check out of one of the areas, one of the wrinkles for this team of what was going on up front, what was going, going on with the passing game. That's going to be something that we look at this week. But, Gary, I'll let you know. I just want to put TBD because I thought Caden Wallace was good in week one. But even then, uh, this is all a setup. The first two games are a setup for Illinois and for Iowa. Obviously, Delaware is not going to be the same competition as the next two opponents. So what don't we know about Caden Wallace? Has he really taken that step forward or has uh, it been an easier schedule? Uh, again, if you want to get Gary N, by the way, thank you for your donation. I just saw this later. Uh, great question to begin with, and you donated the channel. Thank you very much. If anyone wants to get your questions on, like I said, I'm trying to read through these super fast um, and make sure we get your questions on. I'm not going to be able to read through all of this and get all of your questions on. Uh, Blue Jay comes in and says, Manny made zero adjustments in the middle of that line. They still running around blocks rather than through them. This is something that good point here of the activity of the defensive front 
is a risk-reward thing. You are trying to open up big holes for your linebackers to run through. If you play, and this is something that, that came up a little bit last week, um, and, and I want to dig into this conversation a little bit more here about run defense for Penn State football and allowing that big play. Um, I think it was Chris Gorky last week who asked about two-gapping for defensive linemen and is Penn State wrong for not two-gapping? And uh, I, I think that two-gapping, by the way, is a uh, three-down defensive lineman strategy where you have one guy responsible for two gaps. It's your 325, 350-pound nose tackle who is just like just gloms on to blockers. That is absolutely not what Penn State does. And so there are different parts of this conversation. So I just want to, that part and bringing that up and then explaining, I think, where we can go with this conversation about Penn State's defense. You don't have to run a two-gap to have a defensive tackle absorbing double teams. Four, three alignments like Penn State where you have that nose tackle, you have that three technique. Um, they also, you can have a guy whose primary assignment is taking on and defeating double teams. And Penn State... It's not your decision if you're getting double teamed as a defensive lineman. That's what the offense is dictating with their run scheme. And depending on who you are and where you are in the alignment, you're going to get a double team eventually. With the way Penn State moves their defensive tackles, they're trying to defeat the scheme with their movement instead of absorbing it and letting guys make plays. Hakeem Beeman had a great play today where he forced the ball into the backfield, and I believe denied Dennis Sutton was able to get a tackle, or maybe it was... Uh, uh, one of the linebackers because he split a double team. He was in his gap and he split that double team and he made a play by staying home. And this is the conversation uh, about the defensive line is Manny Diaz is going to move guys around. They're going to get into different gaps than where they started. So it's almost like don't even worry about where they align pre-snap. It's going to be different. But when you do that, you're asking for your linebackers to adjust. Now, when it's Abdul Carter, we saw him struggle to do that a little bit in week one. He was much better today. Uh, I believe he led the defense in tackles today. And they were barely on the field because they kept getting three and outs. Yeah, he had three solo tackles, so a much better job from him today. It also gives the opportunity for a guy like Zane Durant to get four tackles as well because if you move and split those double teams, then you can get those tackles for loss and, and penetration plays. Penn State got seven of them on the day, but it... It didn't really feel like it because early in the game, they didn't get a whole lot of them. They just got tackles for a short game. And of course, then you have the long run to for the touchdown. And this is the part that I've been talking around and not talking directly about, but when you've got Devon Elise slanting across the face of the nose tackle, or the, the, the center, excuse me, as the nose tackle, and you want Tyler Elsden to fill that gap, he can't take any missteps. He has to be in the hole. He has to be square in there because he doesn't have the length and speed to make up for him bouncing too far into the play side. That's what happened. Now, the secondary, I have to see where the secondary was aligned. It looked like K.J. Winston was following the, the motion player, pulling him out of his safety responsibility. So then it's the corner or the other safety that have to make that tackle and not give up a touchdown. But it, it's not just Tyler Elsden. Tyler Elsden is part, you know, we are going to talk about that. We are going to acknowledge that was his play to make. But he's put in a situation by the scheme to make that play. And that's a part of the conversation here as well. Um, so that's how that play broke down is like the defensive line was washing things away to give the linebackers that gap and to get even farther into this play. <laughs> sorry to get even deeper on it. 
they had a motion player post snap. Uh, it's called a split block or a peel block, I believe it was on inside zone, where the tight end is going across the formation. Linebackers are trained to follow that guy. And when you take those two steps, Delaware's play worked. Tyler Elsden, he was targeted, and they got their assignment. So that's the conversation around the the one touchdown for Delaware today. And it's something that Penn State does give up these big plays. We saw it last year against top teams where they gave up big plays because you've got to be in your gap, and Penn State doesn't have any of those guys to just maul offensive linemen. They're going to win through athleticism and strength at the point of attack when they outflank their opponent. But there is a conversation we can have of should they play straight up more? Should they be in their gap and play with less motion? Because is a, hitting a moving target is hard, and you're already doing that when you are the off the the defensive lineman. Now you're moving on top of all of that. Um, and I think we got to some of the questions here in the chat. Um, gaps happen. Uh, gap happens, <laughs> says P. Chris. Yeah, I think that's a I think that's a great point. With this defense, there are up there are times where you're gonna have some gaps and seams. You are hoping to hit. You know, I, I'm. this is the, the baseball analogy, and I'm going to get in trouble here because I don't know anything about baseball. <laughs> Despite the fact that I worked for a baseball team for like five or six years. Um, you're trying to hit doubles and triples with this, with this uh, defense. You're trying to get those negative plays. You're not just, it's not small ball. You're not trying to nickel and dime them. You're trying to get in the backfield, have your defensive tackles or your linebackers get in the backfield and make a big play negative yardage, force them to throw the football because that's where you're at your best. And gaps are going to happen when you're so aggressive with your defensive linemen. Um, so now that we have ground this down into a halt, talking about literally one play because it's the one play we have to talk about where Penn State's defense did something, I don't want to say did something interesting because uh, they, they, uh, they had one, two, three, four, five, six three and outs and one three and out that was killed by a penalty on fourth down on the punt. So they had basically seven three and outs, which is why coming into the show today, I'm like, what do we have to talk about with the defense? And I think that's the point. The defense from week one to week two was much more gap sound. That one play is part of it. And we, we broke that down, but overall let's have a, let's have a real conversation here about the fact that the run defense was good today. Um, 24 carries, 82 yards, 3.4 yards per carry, and 66 of those yards came on one run. Uh, Yarns had six carries for 86 yards, so he had five carries for 20 after that. Um, do I think Caden Wallace looked average? No, I don't think Caden Wallace looked average. Because what you guys didn't see, I think, on the play-to-play, -play, you've got to really slow it down and, and be looking specifically, okay, left tackle to right tackle. You didn't see him tossing dudes out of the club. He's supposed to get a gap, and he's supposed to what's called down block on a guy and then open things up for the, the you know, outside of him, a running lane outside of him. And he had some monster movement, as he should, against guys that were 260 pounds or so. Um... Again, I got to look at the, the tape in terms of what was happening in the passing game because it was mostly just runs up the middle. It was mostly, Penn State didn't do a whole lot here. It, it, I shouldn't say that. They did do something really interesting in the run game. Most of Penn State's run game is based around inside and outside zone 
and counter. Those are three different run concepts. Today, they, they folded in uh, power, which is one blocker pulling to the front side of the play, which sounds like it's not a whole big difference from two blockers to one blocker, and it it's in the same family, but to, to do another thing on top of all the stuff they've done, I think that this is the point that I made last September when they had that big blowout win over Auburn is they're putting things on tape that you have to account for in multiple different levels. They can run man, they can run counter, they can run power, they can run inside zone. They had some beautiful outside zone runs that were one block away from being an explosive run. And I think that's the concern is you've got JB Nelson opening up big holes. You've got um, Caden Wallace doing a great job in his certain situations, in his places where he shines, like I described earlier. And you just need that last block to get the, the running backs to the second level and to get explosive plays. This is an area where I'm still looking for, for Catron Allen, he's going to come out of this game with maybe four, maybe five missed, uh, broken tackles. I think Nick Singleton needs to... It's weird to say he's so strong, he's so explosive, that you want him to just drive his legs through that arm tackle. There was one play where he kind of fell into Keandre Lambert-Smith. And it was the second time that Keandre came up a little bit limp after, you know, getting rolled up on. And it's it's one guy swiping at his his leg. That's the situation where you want your superstar running back to kind of laugh at that attempt and drive his legs through, continue through power, and break those tackles. It's a development area. Um, I, again, he was good today. Allen was good today. These are the nitpicking things, but that's how explosive plays happen is you need to have those guys who are getting to the linebackers last two weeks they've been able to get to the linebackers they've just got to break break through that barrier and part of this is again the delaware defense and the west virginia defense are designed that you can get seven yards okay but you're not getting a 25 52 yard touchdown we're not going to play with eight men in the box and let you break one tackle and then you've got an angle on the safety they're going to play three deep. They're going to play four deep. They're going to keep a lid on everything and force you to break two tackles at the second level. Um, so that's a huge part of the conversation as well. Uh, Eli here, appreciate him. He says, very happy for Dom DeLuca. Missed an INT earlier and got his redemption later with a touchdown. Hope he can do that when it comes to the Big Ten schedule. Well, that's, that's the point of moving the safety to linebacker right there. Um, those instincts you to jump the route. It's one thing for the, the linebacker to be in his zone and to maybe do some preventative defense. It's another, and DeLuca has this, going all the way back to the blue-white game, not this past spring, but the spring before, where he intercepted Drew Aller, I think, twice in that game, in that scrimmage, I should say. It was a glorified practice without all the offensive linemen, if you remember that one. Dom DeLuca had what would have been a pick six in that situation as well, so he's got the instincts. He's not the fastest guy in the world. That's why he's playing linebacker at his size. But he makes plays. The dude makes plays. So very good from him. He'll have um, you know great marks in the film room from his coaching staff for those plays because that was instinct for him to undercut the route and get the interception. And then I do like that as soon as that happens, the former, uh, I think he was a quarterback, standout, when he gets the ball in his hands, guy can make some plays. So, yeah, you don't want him being in there for every single play. You don't want him to, to start because then Curtis Jacobs is injured and you want your, your stars to be your stars. But DeLuca is absolutely that great role player who if he, he gives you 
positive plays, even if they are an interception, say in a Big Ten game, that's just a pass breakup where he has to dive for it. He's capable of giving you those plays as well. So they have good role players. Think of you know Bryce Effner on the offensive line. Talked about him earlier today, so he's, a, he's top of mind, of a guy who you, you, I wouldn't say you wanted him to start, but you absolutely want him on your team because he knows how to play the game and he'll show up in big moments. And if you ask too much of him, you'll get what you get. But he absolutely is a guy that you want to have on your team. Any questions here in the chat? We're going through some of the things from Penn State football in their massive win, 63-7 to over Delaware. I haven't made uh, a single uh, joke about Delaware today from, uh, oh no, I'm forgetting the name of that movie, Live on Air with Mike Myers. Anyway, somebody put it in the chat. You know the one I'm talking about, especially if you were born in the 80s. Um, the thing that I want to get to now, after that brain fart, excuse me, uh, is the tight ends. This is two games in a row. The tight ends were awesome at run blocking. So again, they didn't show up in the stat sheet as much. In terms of receptions, you had, um, where are we here? Theo Johnson, two catches for 14 yards, and uh, Tyler Warren did have six catches, only 37 yards, but six catches and a touchdown. Used a whole lot on uh, those play-action bootlegs that literally every football team from Pop Warner all the way on up uses. He was the flat guy in all of those play-action boots where you're reading half the field. He did a great job in those areas, including catching a touchdown on... I thought this moment was interesting. If I could describe to you uh, one of the moments in the game that made me laugh, that it's like, okay, this is kind of a scrimmage for both teams. Delaware is aggressive. They send a lot of players. They sent seven at one point. Um, and Trey Wallace is one-on-one -on -one against a player in the slot and pass interference. So Penn State gets the ball on the one-yard line. Both teams run literally the same play the next play. Seven come, Tyler Warren instead of Trey Wallace in the slot. Bigger target, touchdown. Uh, that made me laugh a little bit uh, uh, watching that particular situation happen. Wayne's World, thank you. Oh, my goodness. It's the pressure of the moment, Mr. Principal. I, I, I for the most part today, I've done pretty well under pressure, I want to say. Uh, but that moment, absolutely Blanked on that. Yes, Wayne's World. I haven't made a single Delaware, jer <laughs> Delaware joke from Wayne's World. Uh, so the tight ends, as, as run blockers, getting back to my point before the point that I just made, uh, so the, a sub point, we might call that one. Great run blocking today. This is going to be a real strength for Penn State football as long as the offensive line continues to do what they've done. Because um, your offensive line has to lead the way as run blockers. You can't have elite tight ends run blocking and still have a great rushing attack. Having the two work together and do a very good job together, that's where you get a really good running attack. And Theo Johnson, again, doing a lot of the dirty work this year. I thought maybe he would be a player of the, uh, of the year for Penn State, being explosive, using him down the middle of the football field. But... So far, no deep targets I can remember for Theo Johnson. I don't know how many deep routes he's run, um, but he's doing his work as a run blocker. He's doing a great job, and not every play he's going to win, and not every play is going to be what I'm describing to you, but as long as he's getting the majority of them where he's getting real movement and action in the run game, he and Tyler Warren are doing a great job through two weeks against a small defense to make them look small. 
Um, so that's a huge benefit for Penn State football to go into the game uh, in Big Ten schedule with two really good run blockers in tow. The tests are going to get harder. So they've got to continue to do what they've been doing, which is to grind on people. They have, they have, um, hate using all of these words because they're always the catchphrases for hashtag old school football. But it's true. Like their effort throughout the run play, maybe they, it isn't perfect, but they still are driving guys out of position and opening up those big holes. If you noticed where Penn State was running today in, in the first half, especially, they're running to the strength of the formation. A lot of times what you do is, especially in college, like 50% of all runs are inside zone, which is to the opposite side from your tight end. And uh, Penn State just said, no, we're going to run behind our tight ends today. Thank you. And they got touchdown after touchdown after first down conversion after third down conversion. And that's another area where Penn State uh, third down conversions got a look here in the um, in the uh, comparisons for the first half and the second half, because obviously they punted a little more in the second half. But in the second quarter, Penn State on third down was two of three. They missed one. They were uh, three of four in the first quarter. So doing a very good job through the first half. They were 71% on third down, as they should be. They weren't in as many tough third down situations. There were some, there, there were some situations where... Um, they were in, in long yardage. I remember there was the, the, the roughing the passer penalty where they got one on penalty. But for the most part, they were converting those and they were getting those plays honest in terms of fourth down conversions. We saw the T formation. They played all the hits today and went three of three on fourth down, especially there in the second half. So Penn State plays 91 plays, 541 total yards of offense, 315 yards of rushing. This is a straight-up college box score. Are you excited? Are you excited, Penn State fans, for uh, the conversation about Penn State playing exactly that way? There is a there's a big conversation going on about NIL in uh, the chat, and I'm not I'm not ignoring it, but I'm ignoring it. We did talk about that earlier in the show. We addressed that to the level we're going to uh, address that. Um, talk that trace comes in and says, compared to where we were last year and how frustrated we were with lack of run game, we mean Penn State fans, I assume, and uh, and Penn State, we should be happy with how much that has improved with the addition of Aller and the third down conversions. Absolutely agree with that, um, that Penn State's run game is improved. Now, they are going to go up against a better test. Illinois doesn't look good, going one-on-one, one, struggling with Townsend. The offense probably back into... Uh, back into what they were before last season. And this is the conversation we had all off off season of if we go back and we replay this and somebody wants to cold takes expose the BWI YouTube channel. It was always that Illinois game. I don't know what to expect. So I think that's an interesting first challenge because we don't know. They lost a lot of stuff to the NFL running game defense secondary and can illinois reload uh they still have some of the their very good players like the defensive line very good but you just don't know before a season so you go off of your prior knowledge now i feel very different i think penn state's first challenge probably is going to be iowa and then we got to go and watch that film but that's going to be coming up this week uh over at bluewhiteillustrated.com 
If you're enjoying the show right now, we have a great crowd. We're talking about uh, a lot of great stuff here in the chat. Join the conversation at the Lion's Den message board. Sign up for Blue White Illustrated right now, and you can get inside access to my film room. So some of these conversations that we're having here on the show, we can conclude them, and I can say, hey, by the way, uh, Caden Wallace, yeah, you should be concerned, or no, you shouldn't be concerned about the way Caden Wallace played. When coaches say, like, I got to go watch the film, it's true. Like, it's there's, there's 11 people doing individual things against 11 people doing individual things on a football field. You can't see everything all at once, so there might be some things that we have to clean up. And I do that in T. Frank's film room. We break things down. Hopefully, we explain them in a way that uh, everyone can understand so we can make football accessible to the masses. We, we don't go into super-duper detail, uh, and we give you an idea of what happened and where they need to go uh, in the future. Um, trying to manage this conversation, and I... This is always why reporters and, and, and people in my position, like we try not to stoke these fires because there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes that we don't know. We don't have uh, all the inside access to. Now, I will say, Blue White Illustrated's guys, they do. Our insiders, they, uh, they understand what's going on. They have a good lay of the land. Um, but, you know, there's certain things you can report and certain things you can't report and certain things that you don't have multiple sourcing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not trying to explain the boring parts, but like there's a lot of stuff going on that we can't or don't know about. And if there's a locker room problem, that's another thing, says Alex, but at least he doesn't seem like a head case talking about Catron Allen. This is where there is that understanding of what's going on versus what is what you perceive. And without a without equivocation, Catron Allen is an awesome, positive influence on this team. Squash any idea that Catron Allen is a malcontent or that he is doing anything behind the scenes to whine for the football. I can tell you that. I can I can say that Catron Allen, literally the graphic of this, it's him just smiling. That's his personality. That's the kind of kid he is. There, there is not anything you should take away from Catron Allen being the guy that gets the number of carries that he does. And that's, again, where maybe that was a mistake for me of being like, eh, I find that interesting too. I don't ever want that to come across as there's a problem. It's just an interesting thing that we have to say like, hey, this is modern football. There's a lot of plates in the air. We have evidence of James Franklin mentioning things. If you want to go back to our Thursday show for a more intricate and probably pointed, intelligent breakdown, Nate Bauer talked about this on Thursday in a better way than I can. So I just want to make you, I, I just, and, and appreciate you understanding. I'm not, I'm not saying that Alex was saying that. I'm saying he asked a question. A lot of this is going on in the chat that has a lot of feeling about everyone's feelings about NIL, right? Don't think that about Katron Allen. Don't think that about Nick Singleton. These guys are great teammates that work together. The only thing I've ever heard is how hard they work, how much they work together. So it's not that. It's just there's a lot of stuff going on in the modern era of football. And it's a, it's a delicate balance we play here on camera of not trying to ignore it and be like Penn State cheerleader centric of there's no problems i can't say that there's no problems throughout the roster uh, because there's uh, 125 kids absolutely there are going to be some issues but at the same time i wouldn't say that this team that is 2-0 and 163 to 163-7 has any sort of issue with that so if we can talk about the game get the conversation any questions you have about when ha what happened on the field what you want to see from penn state going forward i think that's the best place to handle all of that so far so drew brings this up I thought the Russians would be more strength to this defense, but so far they look average. This is another situation, Drew, where 
I agree with you on the surface level. You would think that Penn State would get more pressure, but teams know the 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 the, the game they're playing, right? They know they're going up against the Penn State defense. They know they're going up against Chop Robinson and Adisa Isaac and Denai Dennis Sutton, who, by the way, Denai Dennis Sutton took away an entire drive, not by himself, but he showed up pretty much the entire three-play, three-and-out series where he got a tackle for a loss and then took a dude and drove him into the lap of the quarterback to force an incompletion. So I wouldn't say that... I would agree. The sacks, you would expect them there, there to be more, especially from the defensive ends. And I got to see, because a lot of times these sacks, they're just kind of like an obvious result of a play, and you don't like go, oh, wow, that was a straight third-down win. But Zane Durant... Jalen Reed got sacks today. Jameel Lyons got one. Zariah Fisher got one. So, yeah, the top guy's not getting them, but they're also not given a lot of opportunities. The last two games, these two teams have quick strike passing attacks where they use screens, the run game, and a couple of uh, designed deep passes so that you're not dropping back doing a full field read against this defense where you're spending three seconds in the pocket. Almost nobody is doing that right now against the Penn State defense. So they're not getting the same amount of opportunities. And when they are, they're getting chipped, they're getting double teamed, they're getting a lot of attention, which, by the way, is resulting in the quarterback on a designed rollout <laughs> where he's running into danger and having to run through the end zone to run away from Penn State's pass rushers. So it is creating opportunities for the defense outside of these guys getting uh, sacks. And Chop Robinson works really hard to get other guys those opportunities where he's diving inside, trying to split between the tackle and the guard and absorbing, you know, a blocker so that maybe it's Jalen Reed can can come off the edge or KJ Winston can come off the edge and get a free pressure, which, by the way, is better than having to go through a block. So they're doing a lot of different things with those defensive ends when they can't get them to the quarterback. We'll see when they go up against, again, a team like, I don't know, Ohio State, whether or not they're they're up to that level of playing against another first rounder and a team that isn't going to be afraid to throw the football on them because I don't see it the next two weeks either. Illinois wants to run the football 38 times. We're going to have a two-hour football game if Penn State plays the way they did today. And, uh, and we're going to have against uh, Iowa, unless Penn State can explode that game early with a passing game, we're going to have more running in that game as well because I imagine... Iowa, they play a lot of zone coverage. The same thing every year. They're very good at it. They're going to invite you to run the ball because they've got a strong defensive line. So we're going to see lots of the top two running backs once again. Um, so we'll find out uh, whether or not the defensive ends are going to be able to get to the quarterback the way we expect and the way that I've pumped up, especially Chop Robinson as a guy who's a first-round pick. And I just think his burst and explosiveness, his power through contact, it's showing up here and there, but he's just not getting a whole lot of chances to uh, to to get in there and actually get a, a good quality rush on the quarterback. Last part of that, we'll move on to the next question, is you would also like to see him win you know, those immediate wins to get an immediate sack and pressure where there isn't an opportunity for anything else. Chuck asks, looks like, uh, nope, this is the one I wanted to hear from David, says, is Fashinu injured or just taken out for to get more experience for Drew Shelton and Javen Williams? This was a conversation I was having uh, during the second quarter, again, at the Blue White Illustrated message board. We answered this question in the middle of the game, um, and that's another great reason to sign up, is I was looking, and I went back and I watched the replay, and as far as I know, from what I saw, he blocked a dude on a touchdown run 
and seemed fine. And then Drew Shelton played the rest of the game in the, or the rest of the second quarter. So the, the next drives in, in the second half or in the second quarter, excuse me, he, uh, Drew Shelton took over. So my guess is that it was experience. He wanted to get Javen Williams in the third quarter. He wanted to get Drew Shelton as many, you know, snaps in the second quarter as well. They've talked about him as a co-starter on this offense. And if he's going to play his natural position of left tackle, you do have to take Olu out at some point. And Olu doesn't have anything to prove here. I will say he does have some work to do as a run blocker. I think that's still an area he can improve this year and the area of growth I'm looking for. But as a pass protector, I'm not. I'm not looking. Uh, I'm not necessarily looking at him um, for the next couple of uh, for this game or last game in terms of like he needs to prove anything as a pass blocker. You'll see that coming up. Uh, Alex asks, curious after two games, what do you think of the biggest question marks that need to get answered for this to be a special season? Well, um, I think the one about Caden Wallace. Want to give him all the credit in the world for for having just one obvious gaffe as a pass protector so far. But that right side pass protection is something that I still think that's going to be what's the what's one of the biggest question marks. We've seen a little bit of shakiness from the interior in their pass protection and keeping Drew Aller upright and not having to avoid pressure. And then not to feed into this, but then the defensive line. And again, it's not just all about the size. It's about the plan this year seems to move them all around and use that athleticism to cause problems. Are they going to find that they can play straight up more and they can do that more selectively? And therefore, I think maybe th those extreme movement plays where you've got one side of the line doing one line game, the other side of the line doing another, and the linebackers filling in the gaps after that. Do they find that they can do less and do more as the season goes on? Do they trust those guys? To play straight up, um, I think that it's going to stay that way. So this is going to be a dance all year long. The other thing I would say, so there's a couple of things that I, I would say, not question marks, but we just haven't seen the Penn State secondary tested. There's been a couple communication errors where guys have been open. They need to get those cleaned up. This has been a good, long ramp up for this team. Um, to especially that situation against an offense like West Virginia that was going to run the ball a lot, test the areas up front they need to be tested, and those guys on the backside with communication can get things worked on. I literally am talking about one play that I saw specifically where there was a communication issue today. One play is not a big deal, but they haven't been tested at all. So is anyone going to throw out Kalen King? Is anyone going to let him play football this year? Uh, it's not like they need to be que a question. It's just something we haven't seen this year of, okay, How's this going to go in 2023? Uh, uh, it's your boy, YT. He's here. He's my boy, apparently. And he is because he's here on the Blue White Illustrated YouTube postgame show. You feeling confident that Penn State will be able to beat Ohio State, or is it too early to tell? It's too early for me to tell you specifically, in my opinion, because my opinion is based on me watching Ohio State. I have not watched them yet because I spent so much of my time watching Penn State that I need to get into the film of Ohio State and, you know, the other teams on the schedule, which hopefully we can do this week over at bluewhiteillustrated.com. Uh, Michael asks, do you think Drew is the best QB since Kerry Collins? I, I do. And, and that is not to say Trace McSorley wasn't a great quarterback, 
But if you're saying best quarterback since Kerry Collins, um, yeah, because the talent level is different. And not just that it's higher, and I think it's no disrespect to Trace McSorley to say that it is higher, it's also different where Trace is that new age hybrid quarterback and, and Drew Aller is a guy that wins from the pocket, which... Uh, the running game from the quarterback, and I want to, I want to make sure I say this properly. The running game from the quarterback is absolutely a backbreaker for a defense. It is a part of the modern football game, and I don't think you should take it out of it or you should discredit it. But quarterback comes down to throwing the football, and if you have to make me choose between the two, I'm taking the passer more so than the guy that is the dual threat that can run and can make you right in certain situations. Like I think you saw Bo Perbula at this game at the end of this game where if Penn State had a dual threat quarterback, a guy like, I don't know, Josh Allen that can run the ball, Delaware wouldn't have five in the box for very long because Drew, as good as he is of picking his spots, he's not going to break a tackle and go 70. Um, so you have, uh, I guess, an interesting conversation here of nuance between how you play the game of football and how you want uh, your quarterback to play within that situation. So, yes, I would say he is the best quarterback since Kerry Collins. A first-round draft pick in the NFL, right? Drew Aller could be the next guy that the NFL is going to see that way. Um, So that is a huge benefit for Penn State. And to go back to YT's question, this is Penn State's best chance to beat X because they have a guy that wins from the pocket the way Drew Aller does. Now, it was not all there and it wasn't all super clean today. He still has some accuracy issues at times where uh, you know his feet and his rhythm and his delivery, I think he throws a little high sometimes or, or there's some off-target throws um, when things are a little muddled. But, my God, he is good at seeing the field. One of the plays where they're dropping eight into coverage, Delaware is, and he is going through, there's a three-man rush. He is in the pocket for an age. And he goes through his progressions. He goes through his progressions a second time, and finally, he finds Keandre Lambert-Smith for a check down. He didn't get antsy. He knew, he knew like his clock clearly went off, and he's like, I got to get rid of the football. I got to get rid of the football. But he, he had the awareness to know, it's a three-man rush, calm down, find the open guy, just find him. And he found him, and, and it was a gain to set up a short-yarded situation for another first down. So he's got a ton of stuff that he can do from a uh, <laughs> that he can do from the pocket with his mind that I think is just a difference-making effect. Uh, Aaron says, like in sub or T, Frank will undo another button. Is that a threat or is that a reward? I don't know what you're talking about here. Uh, it's very hot in my studio, Aaron. You can see it on my face. My forehead is getting shiny. Once we hit the 40-minute mark on the show, um, it's just the, the lights are hot. My my studio, my, my uh, computer is basically a heater. So if I am just one button shy of what everyone else is comfortable with, I think I'm doing a great job today. Uh, Ryan checking in. Ryan says, checking out the best game. Uh, the post-game show from Texas. Appreciate you being here. Um, for today, I'm, I, I think I covered everything I wanted to talk about. Let me check my notes here to see if there was anything. We talked about Dom DeLuca. King Mack is the real deal. Uh, he's a good football player. I loved his ability, his instinct on the blitz where he's able to get a quarterback hit. Um, he came in with, a, with a, another big hit later. 
that dude is a small truck. He is going to hurt some people in a good way, in a way that's like, you know, they're not injured, but like he's going to lay a lot of hits as a guy who's 5'9". Physical, I think he explodes and is super intelligent in the right direction. So you have guys that can be really explosive, and it's a bad thing because it takes them out of position because they're bouncing all over the place. He sees and he attacks. So I think that that is something that is very good. So I guess last thing, kind of wrap up everything we talked about today for me, unless you got some other questions here in the chat, is uh, Katron Allen, Nick Singleton, led the way today. A mirror, in, or I should say the other side of the coin from last week where Drew Aller led the, the, the game because Delaware, light box count, small defense, goading you into running the football as many times as they did, and they were effective at churning out efficient yardage still want to see a couple more explosive plays in the run game that needs to that needs to get there but overall from the run game from the from the offensive line they did what they're supposed to do this wasn't Villanova a couple years ago where you were having issues running the football they got yardage and they got movement up front pressure from Delaware was concerning some of that was physical where guys got beat we talked about Caden in that one play that will you know kind of sticks in your brain but some of it was mental. Got to go back and figure out all of those things and figure out how they were able to get pressure on Penn State where you would hope you can come through a game clean. I know on one of them, there was a, a line game on the left side and uh, there was only one guy to block. <laughs> so how that breaks out, we'll watch the film and we'll tell you. James Franklin's press conference is coming up here on the Blue White Illustrated YouTube channel. If it's not up already, I will be hopping off here and making sure that all of that is up and ready for you to go and looking shiny and pretty like we always do. Uh, of course, we're getting Drew Aller's comments after the game. Check all that out here on the Blue White Illustrated YouTube channel. Monday morning, we'll have reaction from the guys and more recruiting news about what happened this week and what we're looking for going into uh, the whiteout in a couple of weeks. Setting up another great week of Penn State football coverage. Enjoy your weekend. The NFL starts for all the NFL fans. Hope you have a great time. I'll be watching on Monday, my Bills. Uh, hopefully not losing to the Jets. There's too many good quarterbacks in the AFC East, man. Uh, and, and coming back to Drew Aller, again, not to hype him up too much, but you feel really good. Penn State's got a good quarterback in the Big Ten East to compete with those other teams. So leave on a positive note for the BWI live show. I'm Thomas Frank Carr. Thank you to everybody. Thank you to uh, Seven Mountains Media for a great post, uh, tailgate show. Thank you to Aeneas Hawkins for coming on. Another week of great content before the game. Always check us out there. And, of course, thanks to everybody who tuned in and participated here in the chat. You are invaluable as my co-host. We'll talk to you later. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.